scripture reading today is in Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 23. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and for a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has entrusted into my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a thick, wicked thing and sin against God? And though he spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her, servant, her household servants. Look, she said to them, This Hebrew has brought, been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to us brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were, con- were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all things in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. It's always been amazing to me that the original temptation and the original sin involves something so small like a piece of fruit. Why is it that sometimes it's something very small that causes us to be tempted? Uh, I was in the team house in South Africa with the mission team, and we had just gotten together and prayed in our circle over the meal. And you go through this little doorway, and you get to the dining hall. 
And uh, so we, we, we prayed, had our spiritual time. The ladies go first. It's just a tradition down there. And you go in there and eat this incredible meal that Nadine cooks. And uh, we, um, so the guys were hanging back in the meeting room. All of a sudden, we noticed in the doorway a little, it was just a little thing, a little red button that was up in the upper corner of the doorway there. And we just started getting curious as to what is this thing? You know, is it, a, is it a doorbell that's on the inside? That doesn't make sense. Is it an alarm? Surely it's not an alarm. Maybe it calls the main headquarter office that's, you know, way on the other end of the place or whatever. But we, we just, we didn't know. But at that point, as Jody Martin said, we all went back to fourth grade with all these boys looking at each other, nudging each other, saying, you do it, you do it. You know, wondering who was going to be the idiot who would actually press the button. I don't know why I pressed the button. <laughs> but I am here to tell you that the long arm of ADT security systems reaches all the way to the tip of Africa. And it was just, and, and I blame Ethan because Ethan kept saying, don't do it, don't do it. Well, when he says, don't do it, don't do it, of course, I'm going to do it. Uh, and it was loud. I mean, the women who were already sitting just paused, you know, it, you know had a big spoonful of, of food and just, and everyone looked at me and I just tried to look holy and everything. It just wasn't working. And it was loud. And Danielle, who runs the team house, was not there that night. So none of us knew the code to turn it off. And it went on and on. And let me, let me say something about Cape Town. They are serious about security down there. And two trucks came barreling up within two minutes outside. And Karin, this wonderful woman uh, who uh, really led our Living Hope team, who's, who's with Living Hope down there, came bounding out. And I bounded out with her because I was feeling guilty. And she, <laughs> the security guys got out of the trucks and everything. And I thought, man, and they're armed and everything. And, and uh, she, she was so sweet in her South African accent. She said, she said all is well, all is well. And she knew that I had done it. And they said, well, what happened? And trying to cover for me, she said, uh, 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 well, perhaps someone leaned against it. You know, it's, if you're 10 feet tall, maybe, because it's way up there. <laughs> Bless her heart. She tried to cover for me, but we could never really cover for our temptations. You know, most of us overestimate our ability to cope with temptation, especially serious temptation. But no one serves as a better example of withstanding it than Joseph. His resistance to serious temptation really lets us know it can be done. We can do it too. Ten years he's been a slave uh, to Potiphar. God has blessed him. He's bloomed where God planted him. I mean, you know, it's, it's bad circumstances, but God worked in and through this situation. Potiphar realizes how gifted he is. It says he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And with Joseph in charge, it says that Potiphar worried about nothing except what he was going to eat himself. So things are going well for Joseph. He's been promoted. He's prospering even as a slave. And yet in verse 7, it says that he caught Potiphar's wife's eye. And she's a scheming woman, it appears. And she's also quite brazen and aggressive. And I mean, she just comes right out and says, come to bed with me. Now, that had to be a volcanic temptation for Joseph. Here he is, a 27-year-old bachelor. He has basic drives and instincts that a 27-year-old bachelor has. 
And 10 years now, he's been saturated in the pagan, and I'll say depraved, moral values of Egypt. Now, what did he do to resist temptation? Because I think what we learn from Joseph, we learn ourselves in terms of our resisting temptation. First of all, resist the temptation before you encounter it. Do you hear that? We're going to face temptations. We're vulnerable to them, as you know. Again, we overestimate our capacity, though, (laughs) to withstand it. I love the old priest who was asked by the young man, Father, when when will I cease to be tempted by the sins of the flesh? And the wise old man said, Son, I wouldn't trust myself until I'd been dead in the grave three days. That's what he said. No matter how good you are, no matter how long you live, you live in a fleshly body, and you're going to find temptation appealing, enticing. When it comes to serious temptations, we can prepare ourselves to resist them. You know your weak points. You know what temptations can get hold of you. And as a self-feeding disciple, you need to prepare yourself prior to facing that temptation. Self-feeding with God's Word, with the power of the Spirit, with accountability partners. I think Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife was predetermined. What do I mean by that? I think he prepared for it. I mean, here she keeps making these advances. I think night after night he would be lying in bed saying, what am I going to do if she actually grabs me? What am I going to do? That will be tempting, and if she's scantily clothed, that's going to be tempting. What do I do? God, help me. I need to be ready, and I need to be ready to run, which, as you know, he did. Even earlier on, verse 10 says, though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be near her. He kept his distance and resisted the temptation. Martin Luther once said, we cannot keep the birds from flying over us, but we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. It's well put. Your mind is kind of like a clerk at a hotel. You can't control who walks in the door, but you can control who gets a room. And to follow up on that, you've got to be prepared spiritually. You know, again, power of the Spirit, the power of God's Word. Having verses that actually you can memorize that help you withstand temptation. You've got to be ready. You might need to confess what tempts you to someone else. Uh, James chapter 1 tells us to do just that, that that is the spiritual thing to do. You're not being less than spiritual if you do confess your temptations to someone else. It really protects you. It was Sun Tzu. Anybody read uh, uh, The Art of War, the the old 6 BC, a great general and strategist? He once said, every battle is won or lost before it is fought. He's saying be prepared. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say, this was really neat. Interesting, uh, recently, rather, I read something by a theologian that I found very profound when it came to temptation, and I had never framed it in this way. He said this, think of temptation not as an opportunity to sin. Temptation is an invitation to worship. You will either worship the enemy and do what he is tempting you to do, or you will worship Jesus and resist the temptation and obey. Either way, you are worshiping. Isn't that great? You're you're in a place where, where some temptation is red hot. It's actually an opportunity to worship. And resisting temptation is a way that you really do worship and glorify Christ. Secondly, don't rationalize your falling prey to temptation. We do that all the time. We're so tempted to to rationalize against that other temptation. Say, it's really not so bad. It's not going to lead to anything. It's really kind of innocent. 
And, and, and sometimes you do it almost out of self-pity, and that's when your guard is really down. Think about Joseph. He could have rationalized you know, his sin with Potiphar's wife because of how hard his life had been. He could have thought to himself, well, my father was overindulgent with me. My mother died when I was a little boy. My brothers abused me. I'm in a foreign country. The morals here are atrocious. I'm repressed as a slave. I'm lonely. And it could be to my career advantage. But verse 8 says he refused. He said no. He didn't rationalize it. No matter how good you are, don't underestimate your capacity to try to rationalize away whatever is tempting you because then that's when trouble comes along. And thirdly, trust that resisting temptation will yield rewards, but the rewards will not always be immediate. Not always be immediate. The rewards for righteousness are eternal. But you and I know this. They're not immediate all the time. After she is scorned, Potiphar's wife puts on an Academy Award-worthy performance and has Joseph's cloaks there and claims to her husband that Joseph had taken advantage of her. I find it interesting, by the way, that, that Potiphar was the chief executioner for Pharaoh. Now, if the chief executioner's wife accuses a slave of taking advantage of her, and you're the chief executioner, I would think he could execute him right then and there. But he merely throws Joseph into prison. I'm convinced that Potiphar wasn't convinced. I think he knew his wife well enough to know what she was about. But to save face, he just put Joseph into prison instead of killing him, which you would think he would have done. Joseph resisted temptation and paid a price for it and that's why it is for you and me sometimes too but it goes on to say and there's that wonderful phrase that's threaded throughout but the lord was with joseph he was with joseph this past week in our equipping group um going through the book not a fan by kyle eidelman there's a wonderful part where he talks about when he was in seminary he did a paper he wanted to do a paper research wherever the bible talks about god with us God with man, God with humanity. And he said he couldn't find it in the New Testament, really. He said it was hard to find. But then he did this comprehensive study, and he realized that there's this critical prepositional shift. He said in the Old Testament, it was God with humanity, God with us. But in the New Testament, it becomes, I wonder if anybody would guess, it's not just God with us, it's God in us. God was with Joseph and God worked in that situation post-crucifixion and with the resurrection and then with the coming of the Spirit. We also have the Holy Spirit residing right in us, walking alongside us, and yes, even within us. Greatest of gifts. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with and in you. So we do have the capacity to resist it and remain faithful. And we will be rewarded. We may not recognize it now. Might not receive it for quite some time. Might even get harder for a time. But there will be eternal reward, and God's word is sure on that. In fact, I'll close with what I read earlier from Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. 
The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Or as Jim Elliot said it, some of you know this quote, uh, Jim Elliot, the great martyr who ministered in Ecuador but was martyred down there, said this, he is no fool who exchanges that which he cannot keep for that which he can never lose. I'd like for us to pray together for just a moment. And I want to ask you, what is tempting you right now in a serious way? It could be a monetary temptation, a sexual temptation, a professional temptation, an ethical one. Are you tempted to give up? Are you tempted to end a relationship? Are you tempted to give up hope? Do you find yourself tempted in a way that's almost compulsive? And you really know that you need God to deliver you from that. If there's a temptation right now that you need to lift up to God for his help, what would it be? Think about that right now. And if you would, in a silent moment, lift it up to him. Make us righteous like Joseph, O God, trusting that you are with us and in us, and because of that, all will be well, and that by our faithfulness we will receive reward from you, whether here or when we see you face to face, which is the greatest of rewards. Indeed, no matter how righteous we are in this life, do we even deserve to stand before you eternally? And experience your love in such fullness one day? We do not. But all the more reason for us to be righteous. So help us to do just that. We pray these things in your name. Amen.